welcome to the Girls Who Run the World podcast, where we're bringing you inspiring guests who are leaders in their industries. We'll be tackling topics from education and empowerment to diversity and inclusion. Together, let's learn from these incredible women. This podcast is brought to you by Our Gorongosa. We create specialty coffee with 100% of profits supporting people, wildlife, and the planet in Gorongosa National Park, Mozambique. Girls' education is one of our biggest priorities because we know girls have the power to change the world. Just like Beyonce said, who runs the world? Girls! Hello, and welcome to the Girls Who Run the World podcast. I'm your host, Emily Kylo, and I'm so, so excited to be bringing you amazing, amazing guests that are going to inspire you, lift you up, and really give you something to think about. So for today's guest, we have Sophia, and Sophia is the general manager of Our Gorongosa in Mozambique. So for today's conversation, you can expect to hear about Sophia's entrance into the coffee industry and what she loves about it. We also chat about living internationally. Sophia has lived all over the place, so she's one amazing woman. And we talk about books that have changed her life, favorite place she's traveled, and what she's grateful for in her life. So let's get to it. Here's episode one featuring Sophia Molina. Welcome to the show, Sophia. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. This is really exciting. I'm really excited to be here with you. Thank you so much. So we are going to get right into our opening round of questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. What are you most grateful for in your life right now? So right now, I have to say that it might sound very cliche and very simple, but given the the situation we're going through, I have to say that I'm really grateful for just being able to sleep in a bed right now and have food in my table and being able to cover basic needs. Yeah, in this moment, uh, when I think about the past year and what everybody around the world is going through, I just really go back to what I have and what I can afford and what can I, I can do here really in my, in my family. And that really gets me going. Um, I think that uh, as, 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 as people, as humans, we're, we always want more and we can be a little bit uh, ambitious and that's natural. We always, you know, are craving for more, have dreams, have a bit objectives in life. But I think that sometimes we have to, really stop and think of of the simple things and those like basic needs that that you have and that really brings you joy and gratefulness and, and happiness and 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 I'm I'm really grateful for that for health for 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 being able to provide for my family and, and have a roof to sleep under and security really mm-hmm. I'm really All- grateful right now for that and I think that you know right now given the situation that we're going through it's 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 what I think that, you know, brings me back down to earth and, and get me, gets me going. Mm-hmm. Those are all so powerful. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. So, Sophia, what inspires you daily? So what are some things that really get that inspiration going for you each day? So, I mean, when it, when it comes to inspiration, it varies, really. It's, it depends on, on the time of your life. It depends on how you're feeling. Uh, really, that day, sometimes it can be like 
music, sometimes it can be art, uh, sometimes it depends on when, when you are in, in life and in your mood really. But, but a, a constant right now, at this moment in my life, it's, it's uh, being part of, 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 the, of a bigger story of conservation with the Gorongosa National Park and the restoration project. And I think that this has not only bring, brought me inspiration and, and how to give the best out of me, but also it, it makes me really pry, proud to, to be part of this, this bigger story. So I think that that's a, it's a big part of my life right now. It's a big part of my day and how I can, I, I can bring better things, not only from my experience, but also work with people that are truly inspiring, that are very dedicated, dedicated in the conservation effort, but also in working with the communities, working with the girls, uh, with the girls uh, club. And, and it's just, it's just such a big story and a holistic approach to, to conservation and development. And I, I'm really proud of being part of this, of this effort. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So what advice would you give to your younger self? So maybe Sophia, it can be any time. Maybe it was 20 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. What's some advice that you would give your younger self? I think that, you know, when, when, when you are young and when you're, you're inexperienced in life and you're, or you're trying to figure out what you want and, and what's your calling, what, um, where in this world you fit in, it's very difficult to listen to that inner voice that you have, uh, to trust your instincts. Uh, sometimes those instincts might take you to crazy places and say like, oh, this is crazy. I can't do it. And sometimes there's people saying, why don't you do that instead? Uh, and, and, and you start shutting down that inner voice and, and calling that you might have there in the background. And that's, that's there. Um, and I think that that one thing that I would tell myself is trust your instincts. Um, Trust that calling that is there in your head and go f- after it. I think uh, being young, being a, gir- being a girl and being you know, a young woman, it's, it's very difficult to, to go after those dreams sometimes. And, and I think that in my particular story, I can only, you know, I can only tell what I know. And I, I personally was always drawn by work in the field, work outside. Um, I always wanted to be close to the earth or close to the nature or work with, with people as well, communities. I always wanted to do that and somehow I just didn't know how to. I, I actually wanted to be either forest engineer or agronomist. And that's something that, you know, not related, but still work outside. And, and somehow I just didn't follow that that path. I, I followed the most secure, um, you know, calling, which was our calling, I would say more like, you know, studies. And it was more economics and business. And, and I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't follow that, that, that inner voice that was telling me to do something else. And I resented that for many years. I resented the fact that I didn't, I didn't trust myself. And, uh, but somehow I just ended up life took me back to what I like and that was coffee and it brought me back to the coffee industry and brought me back to to this this craft that I really love it became my passion and in the end I came 
I, I am actually grateful that I had that first experience, that first knowledge, I would say. I acquired that knowledge in, in economics and in, in business. And that, uh, in the end, it kind of enriched my, my background. The second piece of advice I would tell myself and my current self also is to always be kind. Um, never forget where you come from and that you know, that path or where you came from will also be or pave the way of where you're going as well. And if you don't remember those kind of things or where, where, where you came from or, or, how, or your true values, then I think you, you lose the way. And I think that being a woman also, we tend to excuse ourselves a lot, try to be a little bit, you know, kind and 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 don't with the fear of being being uh, seen as mean, but I think that we also have to be unapologetic and in, in many ways we have to really defend our views and and defend our, our values as well. So I think it's always finding that balance of being kind or but being assertive but calm. <laughs> I don't know how to how to say it in in a way that makes sense. But, but yeah, those are the, the other, that's another piece of advice that I would tell myself. Mm, those are both amazing. And for me, I'll just share that the intuition piece is something that I have been coming back into, I would say, a lot the last few years. But similarly, I kind of ignored the things that I had been naturally called into and things that I was strong at and that I loved, which were all quite creative and which is why I do work in the kind of marketing and PR field now. I'm working with people. But I originally, when I was in university and around that age, I thought I was going to go and be a lawyer. And similarly, because it was just a very clear path. And mm -hmm. even though probably would have hated that, <laughs> it just at the time as that younger Emily, I thought that that was the, the best way to go, the best path, I would say. Yeah. And it happens so often, it happens so often. I think that, you know, well-intended people also try to guide you and tell you, oh, why don't you do that? I think that you would be great. But then there's something behind you that tells you, no, actually, I think that I would be great on this part. But then we don't have that confidence built in at that time uh, in many places, many people, not, not, I, I, I'm, I'm talking generally. Um, but yes, it was my, my experience as well. And I actually, you know, it, it, in the end, I found back my path to the, to the, you know, the field that, I, that is my passion that became my, my field. Um, but I think I would have, you know, found it much earlier had I trust my, my instinct back then. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But I also, what also resonated with me though, was the idea that just because you didn't follow your path the way you intuitively might have, it still led you, as you mentioned, to have these skills that became very useful when you did end up where you wanted to go. So Absolutely. not all is not all is lost. <laughs> and not all, yeah, and not all is clear cut. Uh, sometimes you know there there's you, your path might be windy and and all tangled up, but in the end you will you will you know find your way through this this messy life. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And the other thing I've found, not sure if this resonates with you as well, but 
I found that no matter what the job, when it was a job that I was, you know, a teenager babysitting or I worked as a cashier at, at a grocery store, there's things you can pick up from all of these jobs and all of these experiences totally. that I yeah. have applied to my career now. And it's wild. To everything think. is useful. Absolutely. Yes. Every experience counts and everything you can actually say, you know what, I did it and, and this is what I learned. And the same, the same as you, I did many, many different things. And I think that now I can, I can relate to all of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear from you. What is one mantra that you like to live your life by? Wow, that's a very difficult question. <laughs> I have to say that one of the things, and I, I, yeah, I struggle with that one, but I, I have to say that one of the things that I've always, and I learned that since I was a little girl is, and my parents would always say this, don't leave for tomorrow what you can do today. And I think that's always, and I, I still apply it today. And sometimes my friends, my family, they say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm too impatient. I want things like right now. And, and it's, it's just because that's, that's how I see things. If I can do something right now, I will do it right now. Um, not everything, of course, but, but, but yeah, I try to, to, to not leave things for later. And that also has been a learning curve here in, in Mozambique. You know, you have to also be, take things one day at a time and not everything happens right away. So that's something I, you know, I have to to fight with <laughs> my, my, own, my own way of working and how things really are uh, here. So, so yeah, that's, that's, that's something I have to say it's a constant in my life. Mm, I really like that one. That's a great one. Yeah. What is yours? Do you have one? Great question. So for me, there's a few kind of things that definitely bubble up and it kind of depends on the stage that I'm in, but definitely one of them right now and speaking to what you've already talked about is really to trust your instincts and trust your intuition because they always know best. So that's one that I kind of play around with a lot, but trust yourself and your intuition because it always, it doesn't lie. It knows best. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. It's important. <laughs> yes. So Sophia, who or what has been your biggest teacher in your life so far? I have to say one of the things I'm really grateful actually in life is that I, I grew up in a very loving, trusting, wholesome family. I'm, I'm, my parents play, have played a very big role in my life and they have really been a big influence in my life. And I think they have became, they became my, my first and, and biggest teachers for everything, uh, life, uh, work, uh, everything really. So they have been, and I still consider them the biggest teachers. They not only because they see things in a very positive lens, they are in Honduras right now and, and that's where our home country is. And I think that despite everything and all the challenges that we might have there, they have always been solutions people. Uh, they don't only see the issues, the problems, they really come with innovative ways to solve whatever comes into their, into their way. So, so that I really like and appreciate that. And I, and I learned a lot uh, from them in that way. Another thing is that they, 
um, have always told me that dreaming is not, you don't pay for dreaming. You always have to dream. Uh, dreaming, you just have to sit down and just plan and have these crazy ideas. And, you know, maybe one day they will become true. And, uh, and I think that also has played a big, uh, an important role in my life. You don't have to, to shut down those dreams and say, oh, no, that's impossible. Just say them out loud. It might be crazy, but maybe one day. Who knows? When it comes to, to coffee and my professional life, my biggest teacher is uh, with someone who, who was called, is someone who's called uh, Carlos Pineda. He's, he's from Honduras. You know, in the, in, we all call him uh, in a more friendly way, Pineco. And he has been, he's a legend in the, in the coffee industry in Honduras. And uh, he really paved the way for, to improve the Honduran coffee production, improve the quality control, improve the vision or the, the state of, of specialty coffee in Honduras. He really formed a generation of, of coffee, young coffee producers and, and young enthusiasts uh, that are really working to put the, the name of, of Honduras out there internationally. And they have really amazing tools and they're really empowered to take on any market now. And he really took me under his wing and he really threw me into the craft and showed me everything. And that's, uh, you know, he, he was great. He's great. And uh, I'm really thankful that I got the chance to work with him, learn from him. And he really taught me everything he knows. Mm, amazing. It's so, so important as you go through your career to be able to find those types of mentors. It, that type of support is just so, so valuable. Yeah, and it's uh, sometimes they come across uh, your life and then you have to take on the opportunity to really like tag along and learn from them. Sometimes you have to go after them and ask them, can you please teach me because I want to learn everything from you. Yeah, and, and he, was, he was the one who just came across and I just like, he just said, okay, come. And I just went and I learned everything from him. And, and it was a, quite an experience. That is amazing. So this kind of goes perfectly into what I wanted to ask you about next, which was how did you really get started in the coffee industry? So if you could tell us a little bit about your journey. So finding that, finding your purpose again, I should say, and starting your career in coffee. Well, I mean, coffee has always been part of my life. My family produces coffee since I have my earliest, earliest memories of childhood. I remember my grandmother's kitchen in, in, in a small town in Honduras called La Paz. And her, her kitchen was always smelling of coffee. Like the coffee was a constant drink in my, in my, in my family's house. Uh, it brought people together. It made people um, come into the kitchen. The kitchen was the heart of, the, of, that, of that house. And, and coffee drew people there. And my, actually, my, my grandmother used to give me coffee in a, in a, in a mug full of <laughs> coffee and milk. I was maybe four or five years old, and she would give me a cookie, and I would dip the cookie. I just have the fondest memories back then. So, yeah, so, I mean, coffee was always there. It has always been kind of in the background or part of it, part of my life, but not really, like, the central part of my life. It was not until I was doing my studies in France where I I went to coffee shops and it was the first time that I saw 
a coffee shop that was proudly presenting coffees as a single origin, not only from a country, but also with a name and have their, their mission in the place. I just remember seeing the, the name of Honduras in that wall and in that small drawer because they were all small drawers where they had, they kept the coffee. And I saw the name of Honduras. I saw the name now, my one of uh, a good friend, uh, Arnold Paz. And then that, that, that moment, I was just, it was eye opening for me because we always drank coffee, but we always drank coffee under a brand or never under a country uh, name or never back then never under a, a producer name even and that was back in 2008 2007 and uh and that that time it just planted a little seed in my in my head and i said okay i need to go back to to my home country and and see how i can contribute and get back to closer to my roots and contribute in a way to my to my country so i went back i went to honduras and shortly after i came i met carlos and and he really like showed me everything from the agronomy part, from the the you know selecting the seed, growing the seed, planting the planting the seed, uh, building up your farm, uh, from uh, harvesting, uh, processing, drying, roasting, everything and cupping. It, it was really like. I don't know, when you have something banned on your eyes and then they open them, it was eye opening. And I just fell in love right there. I said, okay, this is my thing. And I decided to, to create my company and I decided to create a roasting company um, under the brand Cafe Nawal. And I started, you know, roasting first in a small, tiny roaster. It was a, a two kilogram probat back then. And I, I was you know, spending the whole day roasting the coffee. And then eventually I bought my own, you know, more commercial grade roaster. So started, you know, small and then slowly growing. And eventually I met my husband who's Canadian and he's, uh, and he, we went back to Canada and immediately after I started working with Fairtrade Canada and, and I, as a coffee lead there for many years. So, so yeah, so coffee has always been in some way part of my life. And then it became a the biggest part of my life, um, thanks to Carlos, thanks to my experience in Honduras and doing that business venture as a roast, as a roasting with a with a brand of roasted coffee, and now here in Mozambique, I'm you know back in coffee, also continuing that that path, and then now with honey and and working again closer to to the producers, closer to to the earth again, and 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 you know this. This amazing industry is, is, you know, it's just part of my life now. So, yeah, I'm really happy that I get to see this, this part of, of the world and learn from it, mm-hmm. which is completely different than the Americas. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I just love hearing about your passion for your career. It's really, really inspiring and beautiful to just see someone the way you describe it, like you're getting back to the earth and back to your purpose and your passion. It's really, really beautiful. So thank you for sharing. Thank you. Another thing I wanted to ask you about, and it kind of came up in the last part we were talking about, but I know that you've lived in a lot of different places in your life. So you're saying you studied in Paris, you uh, grew up most of your life in Honduras, You've been in Canada. So I'd love to hear from you. What has, has your experience been living in all these different places? 
And yeah, how has that been for you? It's been great. I don't know how, how to explain how incredibly grateful I, have, I am that I, I've had all these experiences in my life. I think that living abroad is something that if you have or if you can do it, you have to do it at some point in, in life. And I left to study abroad when I was 19 years old. And, you know, living, living outside of your, of your home, of your, you know, the influence of your friends and family and living out in another culture, it really is a learning experience, not only about other cultures, other languages, but it's also very introspective. It's a very good way to learn about yourself. Like, who are you? and what you like and what you don't like and how are, what are you capable of? And one of the things I learned about myself is that I'm really, really highly adaptable. I can, you can, I can go anywhere and I think that I would, I would probably adapt well and, or at least try to. And I think that that has been a good skill to have in, in my life because, you know, all of these, these moves, uh, moves around the world was not particularly planned. It was nothing that I was just like aiming for. I need to move every few years, <laughs> but it just happened. And I think that, that acquiring that skill of resilience and adaptability since a young age is very important. I think it's also very, it was also very good to, and it's also very good to learn from other cultures. Having or broadening your view of the world is, it also brings an understanding of of the world that you might not have or acquire if you only stayed in one place. And and of course, if you are willing to learn from it, uh, you can live in the middle of the most you know exotic place. But if you're not willing to learn from <laughs> where you're living, then of course it's not an enriching experience. But yeah, I really get I really get to enjoy. Uh, learning from other places, living abroad, having this is, is really important, not only for me and to get, you know, me going every, every, every time or every day, but it's also very important for me, for my kids as well, to have this, this view of the world. And I think that they, I'm grateful that they get to see this. Even right now, they're very young and they might not remember that in a few years. But I think that stays with, with a person to, to travel around and, and get to experience other things. They already have a very diverse background. I, I mean, I come originally from Honduras, but they were born in Canada. My husband is originally, he has uh, Egyptian roots. And now they get to live in Mozambique. They're learning Portuguese and we speak Spanish at home and they learn English as well. It's, it's a very, <laughs> they are already exposed to a lot of things. <laughs> But I think and I hope that this will be also useful for their life in the future and and right now as well. Yes, I absolutely think think it will. I think we sometimes forget how much children can absorb and how much they're taking in. And even for me, I lived in England when I was six years old and I still I have tons of memories from that time I, that we lived there for a year. So I think it does soak in. And just like yes. you said, they're, they're just getting new experiences, new people they get to meet. I think it's all, all amazing for them. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's really important to expose uh, young kids to as much as we can, uh, positive experiences, of course, uh, so that they also develop 
you know, that knowledge of the world and and whatnot. Absolutely. So Sophia, before we get to our rapid fire round, I would like to acknowledge you for the amazing work that you're doing and how you are inspiring others to do the same by really following your passion. And like you said, staying close to the earth and really contributing to the coffee industry as a whole. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's really, it's, a, it's an honor for me to to be part not only for this in, in in this industry but also being part of this amazing project and an amazing team that is doing such important work not only in conservation but also working with communities uh, within the the park itself in Gorongosa and and also around the 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 conservation area with the communities themselves it's it's a real honor for me and I'm really humbled that I get to to contribute in a way even if it's just a grain of salt, it's something. And, and I'm really proud to belong to this team of amazing people. I love that. Okay. Are you ready for the rapid fire round? Okay. Do it. <laughs> okay. Do it. <laughs> What's a book that's changed your life? Um, a book that changed my life is 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. <laughs> oh my is God. Is it yours too? <laughs> Uh, no, but Love in a Time of Cholera is my favorite book of all time. Oh, yes. That's yeah. That's a good one. That's great. So I love that you mentioned him, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's he's so cool. amazing. And that, you know, that book really, what really changed my life about this book is that I really, it, br- it brought to me a really, I don't know how to say it, how to put it in words, but this, this understanding of Latin American culture and how the you know, Macondo or the, the central village that he talks about can be any village in Latin America. It's the, my, my, you know, my, my mother's home village is exactly what he talks about in the book. And I can really relate. And I think a lot of people can relate to what he tells in that book, whether they're from Peru or from Honduras or from Guatemala or from Colombia. And I, I really love it. I really love that. I can't believe I haven't read it. So I'm going to re-put that back on my list. <laughs> Thank you. <Okay. laughs> yes. What's uh, your favorite place you've traveled so far? Uh, my favorite place that I've traveled so far has been Gorongosa National Park. Ah, amazing. I can't yeah, wait to there, go. I, I was, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a magical place. Really magical. I think that it, it really changed my life. I felt like I was in a BBC documentary when I went the first time I, I felt like <laughs> yeah I felt like it was being narrated as I was seeing and trying to look for everything and absorb uh, you know that experience as much as I could it was just really amazing mm, so cool what are you most excited for this year this year I'm really looking for and I'm really really excited uh, for the launch of our new Mozambican brand of honey and coffee I can't wait to see it everywhere around here. <laughs> yes, amazing. Stay tuned for that one, everyone. Yeah. What is a lesson that you've learned recently? Ah, uh, that has to do with what uh, what we mentioned before. For me, the lesson, the hard, well, not harder lesson, but it's it's becoming more of a lesson every day. Is that time? The concept of time is different in many t- parts of the world. <laughs> I have to. Uh, you know, acknowledge that, yeah, it's it's part of a of a you know culture as well. Uh, North American, the North American view of how time goes, that everything goes so quickly, might not be the same in other parts 
and yeah, I'm learning that. Yes, it's such a good lesson. And even within, so even within Canada or the US, for example, people always talk about how on the West Coast, I'm from the West Coast, we're a lot more chill with time versus yeah. the East Coast. So it, even within areas, it, it changes. <laughs> yes. And even between city and if you go out of the city, everything might be different. Uh, yeah. But now we are, you know, Southern Africa compared to you know, where I was working before and now. <laughs> that's a, that's a le- lesson I'm learning right now. Great lesson. So name a woman who inspires you. The woman that inspires me the most, I have to say, is my grandmother, Asagrace Castillo. She, is, she was a powerhouse and a really visionary for her time. She was an amazing woman for her family, for her community, for everyone that met her. Really an amazing woman. I have such fond memories of everything that she did, not only for us, but also for her family. And yeah, I think that just she's, she was a truly a true inspiration for me. She is still. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that. Okay, I have one quick last question because I was curious and forgot to ask. In Honduras, what is the typical way that people enjoy coffee? Because that really changes place to place. I now that I've traveled so much, it's mm-hmm. it, it, coffee culture is almost everywhere, which I love. But it's so different depending where you go. It is so different. Yeah, yeah. And I, it, and you know what I've, I've learned is that you cannot. There's a basic good coffee. There's a basic good coffee. But if you come from Italy compared to if you come from Portland. The, the concept of coffee is completely different and the, the way that, you know, they talk about each other. <laughs> but in Honduras, eh, the, 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 the most common way, I would say in the rural places, is pour-over coffee. Pour-over coffee, but using something that is called, and we, we call this in Spanish, calcetín. And it's, it's, its translation is a sock. And it's actually... It's actually a, a filter made out of fabric, mm-hmm. and it, it has different names in Latin America. And in some places, it's called chorreador. So you pour over the coffee in that uh, fabric uh, filter, and it will filter the coffee into a pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also, you know, normal filtered coffee. Uh, that's also a, a way to enjoy coffee in Honduras, the most common way. Now, espresso-based beverages is starting to become a little bit more of a of a thing. But that's almost only if you go to a coffee shop or some place that has the machinery for that. But at home, really uh, filtered or pour over is the way to enjoy coffee. Very cool. And then would you add anything? Would you add sugar or milk or cream or is it black usually? You know, that's a good question. Normally people, I would say generally people add either sugar or coffee or milk, but there is and I have to say it's changed over the past maybe 10 years. That habit is changing because there's much more higher quality coffee available in the national market. So there, And there's been a lot of building and education and building that coffee culture as well and cons- cons- in, in terms of consumption. So yeah, so the milk and the, and the sugar is starting to phase out a little bit. But, mm. but yeah, it's taking some time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Sophia. It was so, so nice getting to know you. And yeah, I loved having you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to the Girls Who Run the World podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend who would love it. Leave us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Our Gorongosa, head over to OurGorongosa.com and find us on social at OurGorongosa.com.